So as everybody kind of gets accustomed, I'm just going to give a couple of brief announcements. Um, one announcement that I want to give you guys is that um, one of the big kind of flexes that we're going to make, one of the big things that we're going to try and maximize this year as we go into Roots, and it'll come you know, through um, the messages that we're going to go through this week and the topic that we go through this year, um, is going to be service. Um, and there's a couple of ways that we're trying to... Um, to really maximize that at Roots. Um, one of the ways that we're gonna do it is through looking for opportunities um, with our church that go outside of the church, things like potential short-term mission trips, potentially serving um, homeless people, uh, potentially evangelism, things like that. But another way that we're gonna do it um, is within Roots, in-house Roots. Um, and that would that basically looks like is just discipleship. Um, so for high school students, um, what we're gonna be kind of reminding you is what it's gonna look like is discipling younger students and younger students, it's going to be equipped by both leaders and high school students. And so one of the ways that we want to kind of start that right away is just tell you ways to at least start getting involved here. So there's a lot of different things um, that kind of happen on a regular Roots Friday night um, that if you want to help with, if you have a burden to help with it, then come talk to me about it. So some obvious ones. Um, many of you guys, raise your hand if you were part of Church Rats last year. Okay, so one of them is Church Rats, um, which is the name of the fake band that we have, which is basically if you play an instrument and want to both learn how to play it more and then potentially be able to serve at Roots or learn how to serve in the future, then that's going to be one option. And I'll be giving more information about that. But if you're interested and you're not yet part of that, then come and talk to me um, about that. Um, another uh, way you can get involved is helping with games. That can be a one-off suggestion of a game. It can also look like actually helping organize uh, the games. And we have two guys who are basically going to be uh, overseeing and uh, organizing that. And that's these two gentlemen in the front, Cademan and Josiah Yang. So if you have, yes, clap for them. Josiah, as soon as I said it, was like. <laughs> yes. um, but they, if you have suggestions for games or want to kind of serve on the rotation of games, even if you did last year, still talk to those guys. Um, because they will um, both have information and will kind of contact you later um, to be involved in that. Um, the other way that you can help is audio and sound and then PowerPoints. Um, so Madeline and uh, uh, Tim Huang, who aren't here this week, they normally um, do a lot of that. And even the Furco boys um, help with PowerPoints often too. And they are here, so you can talk to them. <laughs> Um, and so that is also a very easy way um, to serve as well, basically just setting up the lyrics, PowerPoints. If I have notes for the sermon, then I will tell you that too. Um, so if you want to talk about that, then talk to me as well. Um, the last thing that I want to tell you, well, here's, here's two really, really quick announcements because I don't want to waste too much time on these things. Number one, the Denny's are here. Raise your hand if you're a Denny. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. So you've already noticed, but go talk to them because they're only here. You guys are leaving Wednesday, Tuesday? Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. So get your fill of Denny's. They're right there. Go talk to them. Not right now. <laughs> Afterwards, you go talk to them. Um, and then the other one is on September 23rd to the 24th, which is just over a month away. Instead of being here for Roots, the plan is we're going to go to a student conference in Santa Ana called Stand to Reason, and it's an apologetics conference. Um, so basically, they're going to talk to you about uh, ways to defend the truth of the Bible and biblical truth and the basically facts of the Bible that are historically true, but 
basically the world that you guys are going to be living in and are living in now uh, does not take those things to be true at all, even though there's very much um, lots of uh, truth, reason, and evidence to defend those claims. So we're actually going to be doing that. That'll be Friday evening on September 23rd and then Saturday the next day. Um, so yes, two really, then a couple really quick things, and this is a big one, but I'll spend just, just, a, just a sec on this. Thank you leaders for being so patient. I do not pay you to be patient, so I appreciate that. Um, one thing that's pretty common with like youth ministry, um, some of you guys have experienced and some of you haven't, is just its capacity to change. Um, to be able to serve at Roots as like a leader, as you see before you, um, is something that takes uh, time, it takes a lot of thought, um, and uh, often it takes a kind of commitment that's very unique in which um, many seasons of life can kind of take away the ability to be able to serve at full capacity very easily from all sorts of good things, um, sometimes not as many good things. But often one of the best ways is when other ministries in the church develop um, and people get to be able to go there and help build those ministries. So we actually have two people who are going to be transitioning out. So this is basically their last Roots Night as leaders, and they're going to be going to help with uh, the college ministry, and we want to be able to thank them. Um, so that is Mr. Josh Feaster, who's right up front here who you guys know, and, and Josh, as you guys know, is starting to go to seminary. So the hope is not only that he's just leading uh, in the college ministry right now with Evan, but also being able to um, lead a whole congregation pastorally one day, which is super, super exciting. And so we're very thankful for Josh. And um, also um, McKenna, who's sitting back there, is also going to be going to... Well, that, <laughs> that is not the response you're looking for. Um, but McKenna is also going to be helping to facilitate all of the amount of people who are there. She's actually basically been doing double duty by serving you guys and already serving and organizing stuff there. So you guys can clap for McKenna as well. Um, so those are going to be um, some of the things um, going down. Um, but yeah, um, as we kind of go on in the year, there's probably going to be other things um, going on in terms of leaders coming in and seasonal changes and stuff. So we want to make you guys aware of some of those um, as well. Um, but yeah, with that, we'll basically uh, get going. So these are our leaders. You can see who they are. And one of the things we wanted to do is just set aside the first Roots Day um, to be able to just both get to know them and ask them some questions so you guys can hear from uh, them, especially some of you guys who don't normally have them in small groups. So before we ask some of the questions, why don't I just start with you, Stanley? So Stanley, tell us your name. Yes. If not, you will practice projecting your voice. No, it's good. It's on it's on now? It's going to happen. Everybody pray right now. I'm going to do this as well. Hello. Boom, Hello, everyone. Yes, so, my name is Stanley Fung. Yes. So, Stanley, why don't you, so you told us your name, but then tell us um, your family and also how long you've been at CBC and one random fact about you. All right. Um, yes, my name is Stanley. This is my wife, Alethea. And we also have one on the way. So, yes. I think she's at 15 weeks. Yes, pregnant. Yes. I like how you followed up with pregnant. Because there's some people like one on the way, ago. like, I have no idea. Yes. Since 15 weeks ago, yes. Um, and what, what, what? Oh, 
CPC. We've been here for about a year, a year and a half, a year and a half. And um, yeah, we recently became members. I think they will officially announce us soon. Um, and random fact is... Another fun fact about the fungs, they put the fun in fun. <laughs> the G is optional. <laughs> you may have said bad jokes, but I heard dad jokes. And dad jokes are good jokes. Yeah, thanks, man. I honestly was not sure. Oh, yes, my name is Alethea. I'm married to Stanley. And um, I guess a fun fact, my name, Alethea, in Greek means truth. Yeah. Nice. Hi, I'm Yasmin, um, and I live with my parents. And woohoo, I know. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, me too. <laughs> I know. Not married. Uh, but, and I have a sister. She also used to come to Cornerstone. Some of you know her as your small group leader. Um, and she's married now. She, I have a brother in law. She is, yeah. And <laughs> I've been at Cornerstone since I was in middle school. And we used to fit up in the upper room. Like, there was literally less than 10 of us. So this is really crazy for me. Like, we wouldn't need a mic to do this. But, yeah. And then, random fact, I like thrifting. I used to work at a thrift store that's, like, right there, Zion Thrift Shop. Please go. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm Caitlin. I am part of the many Macs <laughs> that are spread out throughout the room. Um, what was the other question? <laughs> yes. Uh, how long you've been at CBC and one random fact about you. Okay. I think we've been here two years now. Okay. Yeah, two years. <laughs> um, and a random fact. I don't like bananas. <laughs> what did bananas ever do to you, Caitlin? <laughs> Uh, my name is Josh. Hi. Uh, I've been coming to Cornerstone for over two and a half years now, and um, I, I, I don't live with my family anymore. I guess I live with my sister. Um, I have, you know, two parents. I have a sister, <laughs> and I have two brothers, um, and and that is uh, my immediate family. Uh, Yes. So uh, let's see. Interesting fact. I once worked at a dog show. What? Uh, cool. But you weren't one of the dogs, right? What did you say? I wasn't a dog? Nothing. Okay. My name's Jamie. Hi. And I am married. You know David. And then we have two little kids. Zeke is four and Eva is two. And we've been at Cornerstone for, I think, about four and a half years. Vicky was a baby. Um, and a random fact is, in high school, I played basketball. Really? Yes. I was on the JV team, and we didn't win a game the whole season. 
<laughs> so we're not good. We're not good. What, the, what are the orders of the questions? Yeah. I'm, my name is Ashley Stewart. Uh, still ooh. Ashley Chen. I know. <laughs> it's in my mind. It's still Ashley Chen. Um, Clifton's the guy that I live with. He's, <laughs> he's my husband. We got married uh, a year and a half, a little bit more than a year and a half ago. And we came to Cornerstone almost two years ago. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of you guys walked us through kind of engagement in, in a sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, fun fact. I don't have a fun fact. But... Yeah, We're on like a Chinese I almost went on the voice of China. <laughs> but because I cared about my education, I did not want to miss college for it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't beat that fun fact. Um, my fun fact is that I went bowling as a as a kid instead of like baseball or basketball. Uh, who cares? Um, but my name is Will Will Lau. Been here since been at Cornerstone since 2010. Uh, been married for 10 years. This is our 10th anniversary, 10 year anniversary Woo! this year. Woo, 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 woo. Praise God! All glory to God. We have two kids. Theo's six, going to be seven, and Lillian's four, and I think that was it. Fun fact was bowling when I grew up. I was, I was bowling instead of playing basketball or baseball. It's bowling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're the original founder of Pizza Talk. Hey. No, you're the founder. You're the talker. I'm just the talker. Well, you're you made host. Pizza Talk worthy of being talked about. <laughs> I just provided the uh, asthma. <laughs> <laughs> ASMR, that was another dad joke. Okay. <laughs> Isn't it like they're just making sounds? Yeah, okay. I'm still trending. So, yes. So, let me ask you guys some questions. So, um, what we're going to be going through this year, if some of you guys don't know, um, is we're going to do a series on how to change. So, how it is that uh, God not only saves us, but changes us. And so I think that might be a good uh, question to start with to kind of get our minds thinking about this. So the question is, what are the biggest changes that happened when you became a Christian? And then also, if you want to answer it, what are some changes that didn't happen right away? So what are some things that took longer about you uh, to change? So maybe uh, I'm looking at Josh Feaster. Why don't you start us off? Okay. Um, so I grew up in the church. Um, and, and thought I was a believer. I believed everything that I learned. I, I believed everything in the Bible. Um, but I really didn't submit to Jesus as my Lord until I was 21. And when I, when I did, um, when like God opened my heart to really just give my whole life over to him, all the, all the parts of my life that I had been holding back for 21 years, um, the first thing that changed was like... Um, first was what I knew. I knew God loved me in a very like real way. Um, and that changed everything because I used to be so concerned about what other people thought about me. Um, and I pretty much lived to please other people. Uh, I was constantly concerned about what other people were thinking. And so I, all of my um, behavior, all the ways I talked to other people, 
um, really revolved around how can I make this person like me? Um, and so once I knew God loved me and loved me as I was, you know, he received me in all of my sin, um, really received me at my very lowest in my life. Once I knew that, um, like I was like secure for the first time, you know, it's like, wow, like I have peace, um, because I know the God of the universe, uh, loves me because of his son, Jesus. And, um, so that really transformed, um, me. And um, so, I mean, after that, I, my anxiety was greatly reduced because so much of my anxiety was fueled by like worrying about like, oh, I got to manage all, every part of my life to make sure that everybody's liking me and stuff. It was like, yeah, such a prideful thing. Um, and so that was pretty much the biggest thing that changed. What was the second part of the question? If there was anything in your uh, life that didn't change right away, that either took longer to change or, uh, yeah, something that just took longer. Yeah, I think there was a definite a definite sort of honeymoon stage in my um once I got saved um mm -hmm. where like everything was was amazing for like a solid like 2 or 3 months. And then after that sort of feeling um wore off, uh then I started to see some of my old sins come back, like starting to care about what other people were thinking. Um and then um yeah, there were just a lot of uh, sinful tendencies um, that uh, took a long time. I mean, I'm, I, I'm still working through, you know, so many sinful things uh, where, like, it's just, um, I'm not being very specific here, but, um, I, yeah, just, like, still struggling today with um, trying not to be a man pleaser, you know, um, and still fighting that, but now having... Um, the knowledge of God's word and that um, that I can fight with God's word when I'm tempted to try to please man, I guess, that I, I know like uh, God is the one whom I'm to fear. I, I'm not to fear man. Um, so that's been something that's been a long time to change, actually. So um, I'm still working through it. And I imagine I, I will continue. I don't I don't know that the Lord's just going to miraculously take this one away. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Caitlin, I'm so curious. You're like right beside Josh. So I figured I would kind of fall up with you. So like you grew up in a very different background in terms of having like eight siblings and your dad's a pastor and you're in South Africa. So like for you, did you see any big changes in your life considering, you know, growing up in the church with a big family or do you feel like it took longer to see change in your life when you became Christian? Um, I definitely think growing up in a Christian family, I definitely thought I was a good, I was a good little girl when dad and mom were around. <laughs> um, and then I was actually only saved when I was like 10 or 11. Um, but before that, I was definitely, I had a lot of anger issues actually <laughs> when mm -hmm. mom and dad would leave. Um, McKenna can vouch for that. <laughs> it was mostly at her <laughs> whenever she would tell me to do anything. I was like, you don't care about my feelings. You don't, you always make me do everything. <laughs> why, why are you making, asking me to push it away at this? Why don't you do it? So that was, um, a lot of my growing up until I got saved. I think that was probably the biggest thing that, um, changed. I don't yell at her anymore. I try not to. <laughs> um, but that was that's one that um, definitely the Lord saved me from, that um, pattern of anger and pride. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. That's a big one. 
Yeah, for sure. I've, I feel like you can definitely see there's a change because even as you talk about anger, you smile and giggle very, very lightly. <laughs> sure. So you were growing, you were growing up and in, in changing in the context of a lot of people in your family. But then Yasmin, beside beside you, I know that uh, a big kind of season in your life, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, was during college, right? Like when you when you got saved. So when you were in college, what were some of the changes that you saw? And then what do you think? are changes that took longer to see when you got saved? Yeah. Um, I guess one thing that I could talk about is that what did change instantly was just how I viewed sin and God's grace because we went to Grace Community Church um, for a few years, like in L.A., and um, that's when my family was really exposed to what the Bible really taught and big thing like it's just we're saved by grace through faith alone right and yeah I was using God's grace to be like okay like I can do whatever I want and like be like my high school friends who are totally enemies of God I mean as we all are um but yeah I think um once I was saved though God really showed me that like that's not how this works like it's not to be used as a license to sin um so when my friend was sharing her testimony with me in college, basically she ended like her testimony by saying, and that's when I realized I needed a savior. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like you're so right. Like this is what Christianity is all about. And so just in summary, that's kind of like what really changed for me. Um, God really opened my eyes to see what the gospel really means. Um, Cause I heard that word, but I didn't actually like understand what that meant. I thought gospel was just another word for the Bible, to be honest. Um, but then like, yeah, God was very kind to show me what it really meant. Um, and just appreciate his grace so much more that I don't want to sin against him, though it's, it's a struggle every day. Um, and then what did, or what took longer to change? Yeah, if there was anything that took longer to change. Yeah. I think, um, big things were just reading my Bible and praying like the desire for those things because at first when I was saved like in the beginning I just had I didn't really like want to do it like I guess I did like I'd see my friends doing it and I'm like oh I should probably be doing that but then I just didn't um, have the desire to do it but then once COVID hit um, God really humbled me and showed me like oh yeah like I really I really need him and I really need to be in the word so that I'm not um, you know like that's my my food and like I need God and like I want to know him um so yeah that definitely took a, a long while and still sometimes it is a struggle to do that but the Lord's been really gracious in helping me to want to do those things so mm. praise God yes and I think that's going to be one thing that we're going to find consistently probably with all of our testimonies which is just that you know before there's a lot of behavioral change there's just a lot of desires that change fundamentally um, which is good because we're going to end up having to talk about that, which is because the Bible talks about that. Alethea, I'm curious to ask you for the simple uh, fact that, uh, besides having two mics, uh, for the simple fact that you are literally undergoing change right now in like oh, yeah. the most exciting way possible. <laughs> but uh, do you find that there's a similarity with what the other guys have said, or do you feel like there's <clears throat> there's other things as well that are the same or, or not the same? Yeah, I think like similar with Caitlin, um, I grew up in a Christian home, and I think I was like a good little Asian girl, 
like I did what I was told, you know, oldest child, compliant. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of that hid um, just like the sin underneath. I think growing up, kind of like Josh too, I like accepted all the things at church. Like I really, I really did want to know God. There was nothing that I like in a sense disagreed with. I was very accepting of it and I wanted to become a Christian, but I had no assurance of my faith whatsoever. Um, I like wasn't reading my Bible. I didn't really have any interest in it, but I did want to know God. Um, so when I got to college, I think like the biggest missing link, like I kind of understood crucifixion and, you know, like substitution, Mary, like sacrifice, like Jesus' sin, you know, or not Jesus' sin, my sin goes on Jesus and Jesus' righteousness goes on me. Like I understood those things, but there was no consciousness of sin. Um, and I think <clears throat> when I went to uh, high school, I like saw a lot of my friends and they were kind of like good girls. Like they did their homework. They're very responsible. They seem to listen to their parents and do all the right things. And so I was like, well, if I identify as a Christian, uh, they don't like what makes me different from them externally. We're doing all the same things. Right. Um, so that was a big question mark for me. I was like, how am I different from my friends if I'm a Christian? Um, so I got to college and, um, I took like a Sunday school class on, um, it was called The Sinfulness of Sin. And um, one of the first Sundays, like as a freshman, when I went to visit a church was on the dark side of the gospel. Like basically the pastor was talking about sin and how we're guilty of it. And so I was like starting to listen. And I was like, this is kind of dawning on me. Like something's wrong because I don't think sin applies to me. Like that sounds so scary right now as I say that. <laughs> um, but I had no, there's like no pulse on like feeling guilty of sin. Um, I didn't think I was a perfect person, but for some reason I just, yeah. So I remember going to my dorm room one day and like, or like shortly after and like praying that God would show me my sins because I think that was the missing link. Um, and he answered that prayer. I had a feeling, I knew he would answer that prayer. Um, and so the first thing that he showed me right away was that I had a lot of grudges against people like uh growing up at church like there was like a girl group like of friends that I had and there was like some drama that happened and I had just like held a grudge against all of them for so long like I don't think I even knew I was holding a grudge like I remember thinking out but it's scary because like at one point I remember thinking oh yeah if like something bad happens to these people like I really wouldn't care um it like had gotten to that point um so I think God was like, this is the first thing you need to deal with. Um, so I think it took me a while, actually like four years to kind of work through some of those things because it was so like, I had meditated so much on my anger and my grudges against them that I just felt like I was so righteous and they were all wrong. But God showed me where I had gone wrong in those relationships and I was able to actually write to them and say, I'm sorry um, for like these things that I had done wrong against you and I hope we can like be reconciled. But it took me four years and I had to like ask God, can you show me how to like forgive these people? Cause I feel so angry and like wronged. Like I'm the righteous one, I'm the victim. But um, God showed me that that wasn't true. And I had to like humble myself. And thankfully they were very gracious to forgive me and like write back. And like, I feel like we all have peace now. And um, I'm not like best friends with all of them, but I know that it's like peaceful and like one of them I'm still really close to now. So um, I'm thankful for that. Um, so that was something that was sort of immediate, but it also took time. 
And then the second thing I guess that takes has taken me longer is I'm realizing that I have such a strong sense of self. Like, and I feel like in this world they're like, oh yeah, that's good. But <clears throat> I think biblically that's not because we have to learn to like the art of like self-forgetfulness and like Christ must increase and I must decrease. That is like kind of my life mantra. Like I feel like all of the sins that I still struggle with now come from a sense of self. Like I have to be respected or I need like people to like me or I need to be seen like I, I was right, you know, um, or like just the fear and anxieties that I have now all come from like relying on myself. So um, I guess my prayer, and this is probably I'll struggle my whole life with, but just asking God to be bigger in my life and for me to get smaller and smaller mm -hmm. and to think more about Christ and other people, not just myself. Yeah, that's good. I love one of the reasons it's so helpful to hear about both sides, things that changed and didn't change is, and you had really good examples for your own life, Luithi, is like, um, it kind of demonstrates two good things. One is that you, you just can't come to God perfectly cleaned up. There's just no way. It just takes too much time to kind of realize the full impact of how life changes with God. But then the second thing is it just highlights how patient God is with us constantly. Right. And it's, it feels so much easier uh, to change from the heart with real motivation when you know that God is like holding your hand through it and just yeah. uh, being so gracious to us, right? right. Um, so that's so awesome. Um, you guys at the end, I'm curious to ask you guys if you have any thoughts, Ashley and Will, because um, you guys probably different, I think from all four of the homies you just shared, um, the two of you guys didn't grow up in Christian homes. And so I feel like the the way that change looks might look different but uh yeah do you guys have any thoughts on like how you changed what took longer to change so i grew up in orange county raised in a buddhist cultural background I have two older sisters younger brothers so i'm sort of in the middle in that sense um never went to church our church was going to dim sum like sunday san gabriel valley every sunday religiously just go there because my at the time grandma was living with us that was the best place to be able to eat blah 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 blah, blah. um it wasn't until End the middle school, beginning of high school, very good friend, Phil, brought me out to his church. And he was just, his family was faithful in praying for me and ministering to me. And um, that's where I heard the, the good news, the gospel, and it was presented. And so, um, I, like I've shared before, uh, many, many acts of sin uh, throughout my life going up to that point. And so I knew in, in my mind that I deserved hell. And when the pastor was sharing with me, it's like, oh, hey, there's a sort of, in my mind, the way I translated it was Jesus is a get out of hell card. I was like, oh, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to die. Um, so all I need to do is like believe and call myself a Christian. Do I need to wear a chain that has a cross on it? I'll do that too. Um, and so at that point, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll become a Christian. Um, but uh through through life and being able to examine that it's like i wasn't i call myself a christian but never really uh fulfilled or um saw god from a relational standpoint it was more of checking boxes off um and thinking that oh, okay because i did this that justifies me in becoming a uh, christian and going to heaven and so yeah it wasn't until college where god transformed and yeah see i was able to see my need for a savior mm -hmm. What took, longer to change? what took longer to change? 
Oh, 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 after the fact. Um, oh, I had something and I forgot it. So I'm just going to give the mic to you. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I grew up in China. And if any of you know about kind of the religious environment in China, it's just very grim. There's not really any biblical churches that are above ground. So all of them are hidden. Um, and the ones that you find that are kind of just like holding on a very thin thread of truth. I didn't have really solid, um, well, yeah, I, I would basically say that I grew up as a non-believer, not really knowing what Christianity is. And in high school, um, we, well, I, I was in a um, private school that a lot of kids had a lot of wealth without a lot of parenting. And that leads to kind of this King Solomon situation when, you're, when your wealth is an enabling factor of how you sin. And at very young ages, like 14, 15, basically anything possible that you can think of, there was indulgence in that. And uh, I was, um, yeah, I, I was very much a part of that as well. And there were... Um, Many things when I came to Christ that I had, by God's grace, like immediately um, put off. I mean, I knew that I had to break up with my boyfriend for four and a half years, like uh, the relationship went. And I knew that it was not a godly relationship. And there was um, my, I had a vulgar sense of humor, uh, a filthy mouth, everything. Um, and I think the moment that God saved me, I realized I saw sin for what it is, as um, something that I previously took pride in, uh, I now felt shame about. Um, and um, yeah, so it was very, very fascinating because I know that for a lot of people, it was it, it's very hard. Who has like a similar background to me, it takes time to wean off certain things. But for me, the transformation was almost overnight and it was merciful of God to give me that. Um, but also, like, I find that um, things that don't change is pride. Like, previously, I took pride in my vulgarity and my, like, ability to adapt to my social um, environment and all of that. And afterwards, I took pride in not partaking in those things, you know, how uh, sneaky sin is uh, to... I think it was way easier to wean off the things that felt very on the surface. Um, and it was much harder to deal with uh, the, the, the inward sins, the heart issues. Um, and yeah, I think God is still reforming me and transforming me and um, renewing my mind. And so it's still a daily battle for seeing sin for what it is. Yeah, that's good. So I think, again, one of the things that's so cool is there's there's a knowledge of so many things that changes when you become a Christian. Um, like it kind of feels like a tidal wave, but there's just waves that keep coming and coming after. And sometimes it's like the same wave they just got hit with before and some that are just constantly coming. So, you know, being a Christian is so much of a process many, many things did change and many things, some things never even change. And it's not necessarily because of stubbornness, but we're very finite and we can only change so much, right? And the promise ultimately for change is that uh, when Christ returns or when we pass away and see him, then everything's going to change. So 
Um, I think in the context of where we are and even like you guys who we're talking to, one of the questions that I um, would always ask my youth leaders and all some of you, if you, I know some of you have been thinking about this. So if you've been thinking about it, then feel free to answer. If you have thoughts, you just take the mic and answer it. Um, but a question I always used to ask my youth leaders is, what's something that you know now that you wish you knew as a teenager? I think the obvious answer is the gospel. Um, if you weren't a teenager yet or when you were a teenager and heard the gospel, but um, even just principles and different insights that came with with age maturity, seasons of struggling, difficult circumstances. What is something you know now that you wish you knew as a teenager? And Jamie, you got the mic. So why don't you yeah. start us? Um, I think, so I grew up in a Christian home and I couldn't really point out a time, like most of you could, of when I felt like my life flipped around. Um, but God is gracious to work um, gradually through my life. But I would say in, in high school and junior high, I'm sure it still is this way, there's a lot of emphasis put on your future and um, kind of seizing your life and um, thinking about college and your job. And there's like so many people want you to dream and do great things, which there's place for all of that. But I think I wish I knew my life was not mine, um, which is a fundamental truth of following Christ that I'm sure I had some idea of um, growing up, but probably wasn't more until college that I really could see that um, it's pretty empty to live for yourself. Um, and it's so tempting um, because in high school, it's like life is going to begin when I get to college and I get to move out and I get to study what I want. I don't have to study all these boring things and I get to think about what I want to do for a living. And then you graduate. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I'm going to have my dream life. Um, but I remember freshman year of college, the president was talking to the freshmen and saying, um, don't live your life parenthetically. Um, I was talking to Evangeline about this, actually. And if you think of like a parenthesis, it's putting something in a sentence that is like kind of important, but you really want to get to the main thing. Um, and it's so easy to live each season parenthetically. Like, oh, I just have to get through junior high. It's so I, high school will be so much better. I, college will be so much better. And that coupled with what the world says is like, um, live your life for yourself is, um, it's just so dangerous because you can just waste your life away. Um, and as believers, we are living for eternity, but still um, taking advantage of these days for the kingdom's sake. And if you waste your days just trying to live for the next season, you'll come to the end of your life and you're like, well, now what? You know, what, what am I living for? And so God is gracious. He still worked in my heart, even with that mindset in high school. But I wish um, and I would encourage everyone to think about just living for eternity now, living presently as well, and using your time as a servant of the Lord 
um, yeah, being a faithful steward of where he has put you and what he's given to you. Yeah, that's really good. Stanley, you got the mic too. So I, I feel like asking, and you got your Bible open. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Which is also good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Something from the Bible. Um, but yeah, something I wish I knew. Um, this is from Ecclesiastes 12, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, 14. Uh, it says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So the big thing is fearing God and not fearing man. And I think in high school, that was like one of my like biggest like struggles. Like I thought I was a Christian, but in high school, like I just did whatever my friends were doing and I just wanted to please them. Um, they like they were cussing. So I'm like, oh, I should cuss too. And they were like, oh, you, like they, they were they were trying to like teach me how to say hi to people. Like, hey, like when I when I say hi, I'd be like, hey, Clifton. They'd be like, no, like. You gotta say what's up, man, and then like, and then like, be like really cool. Just I was like, like you oh, say with yeah. me all the time. Yeah, like, what's up? What's up? Like, what's up, bro? Uh, yeah, like you gotta be cool. I was like, oh, like I have to be cool. So, yeah, like I was just learning. Oh, I have to be cool. Like, I have to like, uh, it's 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 so not cool to follow what my parents say. Like, oh, my parents want me back at nine. Oh, I'm gonna hang out till like eleven, and all my friends are gonna like come and like encourage me to disobey and sin against God and sin against my parents. And those are things that I actually like really regret. I really regret like, hey, like I really should have honored my parents more. I really should have not fallen into peer pressure. Like things like cheating, there's things like stealing, things like, uh, yeah, vulgar language and watching shows that we shouldn't watch, uh, downloading illegal music, things like that. Like, um, and yeah, those are all things that, hey, I really, like just they didn't prick my conscience but it seemed like um you know in my high school years god really um showed me my own sin and he's the, actually my counselors and uh, and they really questioned my own heart like what did i really desire and i really was just fearing man instead of fearing god and that's one thing like i really wish i could have done um cuz the decisions that you make now you think like, ah, it's not, it doesn't matter, like whatever, but no, like they matter. Like the decisions you make now matter. Like if we're faithful in the little things, which is junior high, high school, like that's makes big, that'll make a big change in your trajectory in life in terms of um, how you pattern your life toward godliness and not toward like worldly success or what the world likes. So like, yeah, the decisions that you make matter. Like, do I listen to my parents? Do I? like follow what my friends say, do I cheat or do I do this or that? Um, so it matters. And uh, you might think, ah, it doesn't matter. Like I have five, 10, 20 years to fix it, but like what you do now matters. And sin before God is eternal judgment before him. So uh, that's something that, yeah, that I would say, hey, like I wish I knew in, in uh, middle school, high school, like fearing God, not fearing man and being faithful with like the little things and the seemingly little decisions uh, in life because God really does care about those things. Yeah, that's good. I feel like, and leaders, you can jump in anytime if you kind of have thoughts too. I feel like that seems to be like a key with all of us is that idea of um, not just like trying to please somebody, but you're always trying to please somebody. Like it's either someone else, yourself, or God. Like I remember when I was in grade nine and 10, 
I feel like life was way easier because I was at a high school and I did not have very many friends. So there wasn't a lot of people feeling pressure to please. But when I switched high schools in grade 11 and 12 and knew way more people and was way more well-known, I didn't realize until then how much of a slave I was into people-pleasing because there's so many more people who are interested. And it was so like, oh, if I please them, I get, you know, the notoriety and the reputation I want so easy. And those two years established so many deep heart patterns that they kept me really stuck in my first two years of college in a huge, huge way that I had no idea. So it's so helpful to see, um, you know, some of the patterns to see how God saves in similar situations and in totally different situations and works to change. Will, do you have thoughts on that too? You got the mic. Yeah. So yeah. I was thinking, uh, man, if I, if I were to go back, I would say, I don't know, anecdotally, I was even talking to Isaiah during retreat. And because uh, I, I would never do something like this. But when he was in high school, <laughs> he was like, oh, my parents don't know as much. Right. Like it's like something like flip the switch, you know, like mm. go up to middle, like elementary school, middle school. Like you revere parents, you listen to them, like they know everything, this, that and the other. And like something in high school just flips in the sense like, oh, they don't know as much or what, what they're saying is off. Right? It's not necessarily wrong, but it's off or something along those lines. And so you, you like build up this pride thing about like, you know, it all or like I have. I have Google, I have like friends who are smart, who know all these things intellectually. And so they probably know better than my parents. And um, man, wishing that like seeking, like just even talking to my parents, like seeking counsel, listening to them and um, like building that sort of like quote unquote friendship. Um, I mean, obviously different parents are going to act different. You know, even if you try that, they, they still this, that and the other. But nonetheless, they have so much wisdom. They've gone through so much. Um, and be able to like learn from them and like humble yourself and, and seek counsel in that way. That's good. I, I, as a brief follow up to you, I know that there's like this, uh, uh, like phrase that goes around all the time, which is like, you'll inevitably become like your parents in so many different ways. Do you feel like, uh, that there are ways that you became like your parents? Yeah. Like my parents, um, if you guys don't know, my parents have owned the Chinese restaurant for almost 40 years, right? It's a little mom and pop hole in the wall. Like only like 70 people can be in that establishment at one time. And I remember saying, I was like, oh, I'll never be like my dad. I'll never own a restaurant, right? Or never, like what I meant by that was more of like the restaurant business is hard, as some of you may know. It's like you're working tirelessly. You open at 10 in the morning. You close at 10 p.m. That's when you actually start having dinner personally. And then you, you have some alone time, veg out time, just relax. And you sleep around 2 in the morning, get a little rest, do it all over again. They were working seven days a week until my my oldest sister, who's about eight years older than me, went to college. And that's when they finally took a day off, right? So they're working. Then then they started working six days. But really the day off was just like meeting with the accountant, going grocery shopping, mm-hmm. doing like different like chores for the restaurant. It was like sort of their break. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll, never, I'll never do something like that. And here I am in <laughs> entrepreneurship and stuff like that. And... Um, working crazy like during covid um yeah because like so I, I do residential real estate and i didn't know what was going to happen in light of covid and um, a lot of that was just fear or anxiety or worry and so i was working a lot i was working like 70 to 80 hour weeks mm-hmm. and um yeah it's just like in doing that it's obviously you're neglecting your family like mm-hmm. in, indirectly or directly you're neglecting your family right mm-hmm. and i was like i can't run this playbook again but at the same time, it's just like, oh, <laughs> I'm not going to be like them, like my dad in any way, you know. And so, yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Josh, I'm curious to ask you the same question. Yeah. 
and and we've I've met your parents only a little recently when we went up to Masters University mm. as well. So I'm so curious, like the original question, but also you know I'm so curious to also ask you the question if you're like your parents, having got a little bit of insight into what your parents are like too. Uh, so the original question being, if oh. I could go back to high school or junior high. Yeah, what do you yeah. know now you wish you knew as a teenager? Yeah, so um, one thing I realized when I got into college was that all the things that I thought were cool in high school didn't matter anymore. It was like, it was like I left, like after getting out of high school, it's like I left this little like, like bubble, you know, like I lived in like this little snow globe where like, you had to conform to a certain standard like all the other snowmen in the snow globe. But then as soon as you got out to college, it's like, oh my gosh, like there's all these people and all these different styles and nobody really cares about one another. It's just like, this is amazing. Like it was, it was like just sweet freedom, I guess, because um, I don't know, like maybe some of you guys here are, don't feel that pressure of like trying to be cool or be well liked by other people, but I felt it all the time. And like, I was one of the people that like, if something was popular, like I was not gonna be about that, you know? Like, like so for example, like Lord of the Rings got super popular when I was in uh, junior high and high school and I hated it. Like only because it was popular. Like Josh, I really- can you take a seat? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> now I'll tell you, I love those books. I, I really do enjoy them. But, um, but yeah, like all the girls were like Legolas or like uh, whatever, the other guy. Uh, all the girls were like, oh, that guy who looks the most like a girl. Like else. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. But anyway, so I was like, I was like trying to be cool by being like anti-cool, I guess, you know, and like, and that was important to me, you know, and like, so I didn't like uh, the mainstream bands that everybody liked. I liked the stuff that nobody had ever heard of, you know, and so I wanted to be cool that way. And, um, and it really just dominated my life. Like I was like looking down on other people that liked a different style of music. Like how silly is that? Like, if you really think about it or like you, you look down on somebody that, that wears a different style of clothes and, um, it's like, that's, that's really just so stupid. Um, and, and once I got into college, I finally realized like that really none of that stuff matters at all. Um, and so, yeah, so I, if any of you guys struggle with that, like stop, like stop caring so much about how you dress, what you listen to, what sort of earbuds you have in your ears, you know, like none of that matters. It really doesn't matter at all. <laughs> Cause really like, I think what it comes down to is we think life's about us. Um, and, and so much as a teenager, I just thought life revolved around me. Like I was so concerned about what other people thought about me. So concerned about my acne, like so concerned about so many things. No, seriously, like that, that was like such a big part of my life was worrying about those kinds of things. And, um, and it really, it really doesn't matter. It's cause life's not about you. It's about Jesus. And I wish that I had known that. Yeah, that's yeah. By the way, you're such a gimli dude. The reason why I was laughing, I was like, <laughs> oh, acne. That was the same thing. There's so many products out there on TV that like wash your skin. Like I was totally about that too until my sister was like, you don't need to do that daily. You know, I was like, what? You don't? Anyways, I was going to piggyback off of that in the sense of like, you can swing the other pendulum and like you, you can like all the cool things or not like all the cool things. But to the, the root of it is like, it's because it's you. It's, you're focused on you. You're focused on like, oh, I don't want to be cool. Oh, I want to be cool because it, and it's like, 
yeah, what is the center of your life? Is it you or is it God? Yeah. I'll share a little too as well. I think the moment that I became a believer after 19 years of not knowing anything about Christ, it was like this moment of like my life just came apart before me and I felt like I wasted 18 years of my life. And I look back and I'm like all the mindless entertainment that I was into, like just all the um, movies, countless movies that we went to that I couldn't really remember the plot plot point and all, all these things that we binged together with friends and hours that we wasted partying the night away. It was, it was absolutely useless. Like, don't do that. <laughs> don't waste your life for something like that when you, you have the opportunity to. Um, to know what actually matters. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think one one thing that I've kind of realized, and we are married, so we have talked about this many times. But like, so I've seen more movies than anyone you know. Like I'm a hundred percent I'm a hundred percent sure of that. And like one thing that I kind of realized is there's a weird balance that you realize as a Christian, whereas on one hand, you do genuinely feel deep regret not only for the objectively wrong things you've done but also for the things that you feel like were a waste but there's also the other blessing that comes with a christian especially when you really 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 grasp and love the fact that god is sovereign that somehow he just ordered everything outside of your intentions for good and so like yes like i've wasted quote unquote and genuinely regret watching so many movies in my life um, but I have so much more uh, random illustrations now going through my head of so many concepts. Like when I first, I remember first hearing about justification and I was like, oh my gosh, I just saw Batman and that's like what happens. And someone's like, no, it's, that's not right. But like, as I kind of came to a better knowledge of the truth, there's so many things that God just providentially made use of all that. So that's not a license to waste your life and God will somehow fix everything, but it's just a blessing that God takes and repairs so many things that we're just so good at ruining and, and just helps us see his grace in it. Like so clearly. Yeah. Kind of just to add on to it. Like I, I've, I remember telling the high school girls before about like one of my favorite parts of Joel reading the old Testament is uh, when God is telling Israel after this, like, um, locusts coming and taking all of the crops and eating all of it, all the seed that the crops have dropped, basically. So they don't, they wouldn't have food for years. And God says he's, he could restore that. He could take all of that back. And I'm just thinking the res restoration power of God in there, he could do the same with my life. Hmm. And so um, for those of you who came to Christ later in your life, don't feel like um, those things are a hindrance to your future witnessing and all of that because God wouldn't let it go to waste, even though, you know, when man meant for evil, God meant it for good. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Well, considering, considering again, that we're, we're talking to you guys, we're talking, I think a couple of the things we're talking about is um, our past man-pleasing some of these things that have kind of come up. I'm very curious. I feel like when I talk to you guys, one of the concepts that comes up a lot is friendships and like what a friendship looks like. And we've, we've used a good amount of time because you guys have answered very good, thorough answers. But I feel like all of you guys would be able to speak to this question. So like think of a good friend. This might be our last question too, but um, think of a good friend you have. 
and then try and think of why they're such a good friend to you. So what are some qualities of being a good friend, something you've learned about how to be a better friend? Um, what are some of those things that would be helpful um, considering that the Bible not only talks about friendship so much, but endorses friendship, that we need friendship? And then anyone who is bold enough to start, you just start start going. Yeah, so um, um, somebody who's been a very good friend to me has been uh, Matt, whom some of you guys might know, Matt Lee. He started coming to Cornerstone um, within the last year, probably. And, um, and the reason he's been such a good friend is because like, he truly wants my best. Um, and that means he wants me to, um, to be enjoying the Lord and to be fighting sin um, and having victory over sin. And he wants to um, see God move in my life. Um, and so that has been a huge blessing, um, that he really, truly wants my best. Like he doesn't want to just like have a good time with me. Um, like he truly loves me. And so some of the ways, the, some of the ways it looks is that, um, he'll pray for me and, um, and I know he's praying for me because he'll follow up. Like after I've, I've given him a prayer request, he'll, he'll be like, Hey, I've been praying for your request. Like has, has anything changed? And so he's, you know, it's exciting because like Matt both cares about me and he wants, he really wants to give glory to God, like to see like him answer and God answer prayer and, and to praise him and give thanks to him for that. Um, another thing that, that Matt does is, um, he confronts me when I'm wrong, um, or times when I've been a bad friend to him. Um, and he does it in a loving way, uh, not, um, in a prideful way where he's, um, you know, saying like, oh, Josh, you're wrong, you know, but um, doing it in a loving way where truly he wants me to be sanctified, um, that he wants me to be free from, you know, my prideful, sinful tendencies. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been a, a huge blessing. Um, I don't think I've ever had anybody that, um, that truly like has lovingly confronted me in the way that he has, you know, except with the exception of my mom. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, yeah, so that, uh, so Matt has been a very good friend to me and I'm, I'm very blessed to have, uh, have had to have him as a friend. Yeah. That's good. I, one of the ways I would rephrase the exact same concept is that, uh, if I think of all of my best friendships, um, I, I can know without a doubt that they love God more than me mm. and thank goodness they love God more than me yeah. because if they loved me more than God or even themselves more than God, then be almost impossible to be a really faithful friend. I do have a couple of friendships with uh, with non-believers, and they're very close, and they're very good. They're very kind and good, faithful friends. But I would say that they're in the minority of uh, friendships. They're pretty uh, special people. But uh, yeah, it's so good to have those kinds of friendships. Um, I would, when I think of friends that I've had closest friendships with or that I'm closest to now, I think it's a two-way, um, like in a relationship, you need to spend the time listening and getting to know a friend, but you also have to be willing to share yourself and uh, be vulnerable before a friend because if it's just one person 
um, that's being vulnerable, then the friendship isn't quite as deep, but um, there's a lot of meaning when you both can share and you both can take time to listen. Because sometimes I'm probably more quiet, so I would like to just listen to people. And it's sometimes harder to share what's going on in your heart. But that is why God gave us friends, is mm -hmm. to walk with us and to help each other become more like Christ. And um, in order to have people help you do that, you have to be willing to share. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Um, so when I think of a good friend, I definitely think of my friend in South Africa. We grew up together. Um, we've been friends since we were four years old. And um, I think one thing that makes her such a good friend is that she is she has um, she's been willing to correct me when I'm wrong and not just always like um, agree with me, which I think is kind of the world's view of what a good friend is. Like, oh yeah, you should totally be annoyed with that person. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Um, it just kind of make you feel good about yourself. But um, I think a good friend definitely needs to be willing to. Um, help you see your sin um, and be willing to because I know um, it's definitely probably her least favorite thing to ever correct me but she still does um, and even growing up when I was really young she would literally sit there crying be like Caitlin you need to repent of your sin you're you're gonna go to hell like we're like five and she's like sobbing and she's like that's an intense friendship at five years old <laughs> you need to repent <laughs> like sitting there sobbing and she's done that like also even like this past visit um I was complaining about someone being such complainers I was like I was like they're always complaining and they're always so grumpy and she's like she sits there listening for like a long time and she's like just make sure you're not complaining too now I was like, I was like oh yeah thanks okay <laughs> so just having someone who is willing to speak truth to you even though it's like it's hard for them to do it um I think definitely be what your friend does oh god oh sorry <laughs> Um, a friend that I want to talk about is actually my sister. <laughs> um, she's definitely my best friend, and I get so emotional when I talk about her, so sorry in advance. But, um, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, she's just, like, I don't know. She's been such an amazing, like, example to me of, like, patience and, like, love and sacrifice, just, like, an amazing Christ-like example, even when, like, I'm so impatient. And I think that's such a great thing in a friend, like, kind of how they're all talking about it. Like, friends who listen and friends who are so honest with you, too, but, like, they go hand in hand, and that's so her. Because <laughs> I come to her with, like, a lot of complaints or, like, oh, my gosh, um, like, I'm having all these problems or whatever, and I'm telling her, like, how my flesh is viewing them. Um, and like, I'm just so selfish in the way that I want things to go. Um, and then she's like nodding her head and she like, she shows a lot of empathy. And I think that's a great, um, value in a friend, but then yet she still goes back to the word and what God says about the situation, especially one thing, um, that happened during COVID wasn't even that big, but I was, I mean, it is, <laughs> but I was struggling with discontentment because I was like alone 
um, at home with my family, couldn't see friends, right? Like at the peak of COVID. Um, and I would cry to her like every day. <laughs> and um, she would just like comfort me and just like be there with me because she knew that's like something that I really value in a friend too. Um, but then, yeah, she like was so willing to go through like like a 31-day devotional on contentment with me. But it was so like... It was so sanctifying for the both of us. And I think, like, just walking together um, towards Christ-likeness. Like, she wasn't, you know, just, like, telling me, like, you need to be content. Like, um, like she was just so kind in the way that she was delivering that to me and, like, teaching me in love, like, all we really do need is Christ. And, like, she, like, shows me that in her example of contentment when, like, things look like they're going wrong in her life. And she just responds with so much joy and like, you know, God is, God really is sovereign. He's in control. And like, he's taken us this far and like, he's always been so faithful. So like, you know, like, and he's all you could ever need. Like everyone is a sinner and people will disappoint you. I don't, my friendships have been an idol for me. Um, and like still to this day, I will find a lot of value in my friendships. And um, she's taught me like, to be content in the Lord. So summary, like, I think what makes a good friend is that they will always point you to Christ and the word and the truth and what really matters, even when it really hurts, like, but it's the truth. And God says, finally, brothers, think on what is true. Um, and she's very faithful in doing that. So I love her. That's <laughs> <laughs> such a perfect example, too, of uh, what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 1 where he's talking about comfort and he says the people who know how to comfort are those who have been comforted by God. So as that, as an example of comfort, so we are not only motivated to comfort others, but we know, you know, we grow in our knowledge of it, but the tact, when it comes, what it looks like, sometimes it's a hug, you know, I won't be able to chapter and verse this, but like find a friend who's like a good hugger. It's like, everybody needs a hug, but like, also someone who the comfort might not actually be in encouragement. The comfort will actually be in not just critique, but conviction. Like the best way that you could grow close with God is stop trying to get close to just yourself over in the corner and be your own God, um, is you need to go to Christ. And that means turning away from your sin because you can't have both. And that can be actually the most comforting thing ever when the other person knows your intentions is to point them towards Christ. Um, Stanley, it looked like you had some thoughts too, though. Yeah, along with what everyone else said, um, yeah, your best friends will be the ones who really push you toward Christ first. And um, I think, uh, yeah, I think about like one of my best friends that I grew up with. Um, he's now a youth pastor, but and we used to mess around so much, and like, and we used to like be really like just um, like rowdy and like pulling pranks and not listening to our counselors, but um, but really kind of intertwines with them. Just part of our testimony is that like in high school, like, like God really kind of shaped and changed our hearts where, hey, like we wanted to be more serious about our faith and um, in particular, like for sins, like in terms of purity and lust. And so, yeah, I just really, really encourage like all like men, find another like guy, like, and ask the hard questions, like, how is like purity how is um or or any other um sin that you struggle with and and be vulnerable to share because that will really make a big difference because the more you hide the more sin that you hide within your heart god will 
God will reveal that your sin will find you out. And, and if you're a girl, like find a good girl um, and, and be friends and really share with one another and share your sins. So yeah, one, like one thing that really helped me change as we're talking about, like how people change is finding good accountability partners. And in the end, it's your heart, but it's like, Hey, if you both have a heart, like really like David and Jonathan really heart that really is intertwined together and really kind of pushing each other toward Christ. It's like, it's really amazing. So yeah, that's uh, something that, um, that, uh, super important. I think also as a wife, it's really comforting for me to know that, oh, my husband has another, like, guy friend that can kind of help keep him accountable, you know? Like, it's a role that I, as a wife, cannot play in Stanley's life, um, and vice versa. Like, I think Stanley has told me before, like, oh, I'm glad that, like, I'm your husband and I can see that you have other close girlfriends who can keep you accountable, point you back to Christ because they fill a role that, I can't. Um, So it's so important to have like godly friendships. And I think one thing that is helpful, I guess, in looking back, I wish I had told my younger self this is to pray to God to ask him to show you like who like true friends are. Mm -hmm. I think I had a certain like view in middle school and high school, like, oh, I wanted to maybe be friends with people who are more popular or whatever. But I found out so many times, like time and time again, like that those, a lot of those friendships were based on like very vain sort of things and they never really turned out. Like it was almost like the friendships that I, in a sense, didn't treasure as much that they turned out to like be my best, most faithful, like God fearing friends. Um, And I just didn't have quite the right lens. So pray that God would show you like who, like, I guess the true friends he has for you are, and that um, you could see that. Um, And I think that's super important. I think another one um, is, I guess people kind of like everybody, well, I don't want to repeat what everybody said, but I think something even as simple as like, something so simple, like in middle school or high school, like, are these people you feel like you can kind of genuinely be yourself with? Or do you feel like you have to act a certain way? Um, Because I, I don't know, I just felt like those friendships didn't quite really go anywhere. And just you have to have that, in a sense, sense of being able to be yourself. And like, I think that really helps when you can share genuinely and honestly, like, about I guess your faith with each other and like showing that part of yourself too. I think there were parts of like my Christian self or whatever at the time that I felt like I couldn't really share because maybe my, I don't know, we just weren't on the same page or something, but yeah, find friends who treasure Christ and will also have your best interests at heart. One thing to add, you know, we talk about all our friends and we're like, oh, it's so serious and scary. I have a friend who will rebuke you. But uh, but no, you got to have fun with your friends too. Like things like, oh yeah, you go on hikes and, uh, and you know, just make sure like you guys enjoy like serving God together. Like my friend, every birthday, instead of writing me an encouragement note, he like, he scares me. He like puts on a clown mask and then he like finds some way to just scare There's me. There's a video. Ask yeah. us about it. <laughs> Uh, yes. So yeah, like you gotta, you gotta find people to enjoy, like enjoy your company with. We like surfing together. We like, like, um, going to mammoth, go skiing together. Like, you know, you gotta do some fun stuff too. So it's not all like 
scary. So, but yeah, I'm sure you guys all have fun. Um, I was thinking in regards to, there's so many things that come to mind in regards to friendship because we've been going through like the marriage or um, Pastor Josh has been going through the marriage podcast mm -hmm. and ultimately like your spouse is your best friend. And um, really like having that like sink in and dig deep in regards to understanding that um, part of that, like realizing, uh, especially whether it be, yeah, just for guys or just uh, certain personality types or whatever, it's just like our communication, communication styles are different. Mm. Um, sometimes we feel like the color is blue and that's sufficient. That's enough. That checks off the box. But some people want like more details and context and adjectives and like different ways to talk about the blue sky or whatever it is. And it's just like, so oh, bluey that blue. Yeah. yeah. Bluey's blue I've ever seen. Ever, ever seen. And, um, and knowing like, because I, I think I'm sort of jumping here and there. Like when we're talking about friendships, like we're the presupposition or the foundation of that is like a person that loves God and understands that because the next commandment is to love others as you love yourself. So it's not just about me. Like a true friend is somebody who's going to look out for not just their own interests. Because you'll see a lot of friends in school, work, life, wherever. They make friends for their own personal benefit. right? Whether it be for the pocketbooks, maybe for popularity. Could be a variety of reasons. Um, but it's not for your interest. And so we're pretty... We're sort of pre like presupposing that you sort of know that. But a real friend is a friend that, by the grace of God, knows God, loves God, and wants to live out love for others. And so part of that is just like that communication aspect of things and knowing how to communicate. Like maybe over-communicating. <laughs> what I think in my mind is over-communicating is normal communication for some people. Um, and, and working through those. Uh, communication... I think, yeah, the foundation of um, uh, believing, having faith, and then the, the aspect of time or just like uh, there's time for um, – there's quantity time and there's quality time and understanding that and how that, that plays a role in friendships. Yeah, that's really good. You know, like we're, we're getting a little close to the time, but I've, I'm going to tack this, this little question on and it'll be a little bit biased because it's technically a question for the married folk because of something you said, Will. But in like maybe a couple of sentences, because I know that this can so often be on, uh, on our minds, how did you know that your spouse was the one? Maybe, maybe in like a couple of, a couple of sentences because we're, we're a little over time, but... Uh, I knew I, I sort of knew Deborah was the one in the sense that um, it's it's funny like I, I like to have like my commentary and her commentary right next to each other because I haven't so I, I um, same Bible study same year same grade but then I, I didn't pursue her until junior slash senior year so I saw all these attributes right so I went into college very much the outsider I was, I was like. Um, I wanted to be like the gangster Asian guy, so I had baggy pants. You, I had like a, you still are the gangster. I, Asian I guess guy. so. I guess Please. so. I I can't like shed that. I guess right. I had the pinky ring. I I had like a fake earring and stuff like that. I still have yeah. Anyways, and so as you can imagine, like in that in that setting, I, I stood out a lot. 
And to a point where like no one wanted to talk to me because they're like, oh, talk to this guy is like <laughs> instant immediately, right? And so I was just like, you felt lonely. And, um, and, and, and so Deborah was really good with talking with outsiders or just a guest. Mm. I was like, oh, dude, that's, that's attractive, right? Um, I, uh, when God saved me, I had a desire to do like ministry missions abroad. And she had been going to Japan for a short-term mission trip in the summer every year during college. So I was like, oh, that attracted me too. Um, and then we, in college, we were able to do evangel evangelism training course. And we were partnered up together to um, go like talk with strangers on campus. And I was like, oh, hey, she can like hold her own. She can make a conversation. She could like defend the gospel. I was like, oh, this is cool. And, um, and so, but we, we didn't, I, I didn't talk to her though. <laughs> Because we were in, like, different, like, social groups. Like, I was in, like, the sporty friend group, and she was not in that group, I guess. So, um, so I had, like, all these facts, and I presented it to her, and she was like, like, I don't even know you. Like, it's just, like, a little weird. Like, he's, like, these are the reasons why. It's, like, you're just, like, looking. Um, and then, so the first, like, the first year in senior year, it was just, like, the whole year was a test year. And then after that was, she went to grad school and three years of that. And uh, yeah, from there, we were able to, God was kind to bring us together in that sense. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, let me rephrase the question in context. Uh, Ashley, how did you know that I was the one? <laughs> <laughs> if, it's, if it's really embarrassing, then I will answer too. Because I married you? <laughs> yeah. No, okay. Yeah. That's All funny. Right. So that's actually what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, yeah, part of what I was thinking yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I, I mean, like the the one is a very cultural way of saying it, right? Because they're the the one that got away. That person never exists. Like that's not a, a thing. Uh, the person you marry is the one. Uh, but I think, um, yeah, it, it's it's funny because I guess the question is like how 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 did I decide that you were the person I wanted to spend my life with. And it it's interesting because if you knew Clifton and I when we first met and you're looking for anything in common, we had none except for... <laughs> we didn't even have mutual interest in common. I really liked her and she's like, oh, I can't stand being in the same room. <laughs> it's not even a joke. I <laughs> literally would walk happened. away whenever he was me. <laughs> But uh, what we did have in common was a, a love for Christ and his people. And I think Jer I, I was not initially interested, even that, but we had a common group of friends who all vouched for who he was, in a sense. And uh, have friends that all vouch for you. <laughs> they, they didn't. <laughs> they were godly friends who knew about his character, and uh, there were godly older men in the church who also vouched for his character and it was something that I was like okay if that's the case if everyone likes this guy so much why don't I try just hanging out with him and see where it goes and uh, what happened was that I discovered that he even though we didn't have a lot of things in common he was the one person who took criticism so well and I could be a very opinionated person sometimes and it was it was very rare for me to find someone who actually listened and took things well and didn't insist on a kind of leadership that felt uh, heavy, 
if that makes sense. And he always led in a gentle way, in a way that um, very much his service towards me was very visible. And uh, yeah, it was the humility and the willingness to uh, continually learn who I am and understand me that was very attractive. And I'm like, I could work with this. <laughs> and then we got married. Thanks. <laughs> I love you very much. I love you too. It's on record. It's on record. We we got three more married folks and, and we're 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 kinda hitting the time, but if you could say in a couple of sentences either some factors or just some basic things about uh, you know, this is this was a good indicator that I should marry this person. Uh yeah, I would say um when I met David, we were set up actually outside of, right out of college or a year or two out. Um, and so we were invited to the same Bible study and, and met each other there. But I could, David is not super outgoing. And from the moment I met him to when we got um, engaged, I think I could see that he was someone who listened to his um his pastor, his elders, and was willing to push himself to pursue me, even if he was uh, not outgoing and had to push himself outside of his comfort zone. Um, and he listened. I didn't, I didn't see that in a lot of people, that um, there was a humility to listen to those um, over you and take what they said in, in his life and then do it. Um, even if it was uncomfortable. So that stood out, definitely. But, um, yes, you're married, Stan. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> For me, um, yeah. Uh, re reiterating Ashley's answer of like, you don't know that they're the one until you say, I do at the altar. So, so yeah, there's like the no, like, oh, we, we looked and wow, like you're the one. So literally we were like, we are the one, no. <laughs> you're your own one as well. Like yeah. we were at a wedding. So how we met was we were at a wedding. I was a bride. No, she was a bridesmaid. <laughs> I'm getting it wrong already. We have that on she record was too. Yeah. I was a groomsman and then uh, we were unintentionally paired up and, uh, and uh, yeah, I, so there was no like, oh, woo, yay, like, wow, she's the one. But I was more like, oh, she's like crying during the ceremony. Oh, she's emotional. <laughs> I, I can't do emotional. You know, I, I can't do this. Like, it's, uh, yeah, like, it's okay. Um, I'm here for the groom and um, to hang out with the groom and, you know, support him and stuff, you know. But, uh, but. I don't know. I thought she was, she was kind of cute too. So, uh, so yeah, I talked to my friends. So friends, yeah, references. Talked to my friends who were groomsmen and they knew her. They had great things to say. Like, oh, like she really like loves God. So the three things I was looking for, like loving God, someone who loves God, like really passionate about the church. Like she went on missions and, and someone who like was um, really involved with like what God really cared about. And, um, and then, so I was like, okay, like, and then I reached out to her pastor. Her pastor was like, oh, yeah, she's a good girl. So I was like, okay, okay, I think she's okay. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll, like, you know, try to hang out with her and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, um, but, yeah, we had more conversation. We, we went on a few dates, and then, and then found out, like, you know, she loves God, really easy to get um, 
her get us to talk about like spiritual things and two that she really loves people and that um, yeah she really cares about her family about like her unbelieving friends like salvation of others and then the third thing which is the hardest thing for me was uh, I need to find someone to like me because uh, there, there was like when I was in high school I was like a loser so, like none of the girls <laughs> like me all, all the girls like like liked my friends and not not me I was like oh a little little measly little teenage kid but uh and then in college I asked girls out and they all said no so I was like oh forget girls forget them but bachelor but, like, to the rapture I'm getting a dog <laughs> yeah, yeah. it'll love me unconditionally yeah, yeah. but uh yeah after we started like going on a few dates I was like okay I have to I have to ask her uh so you know I spent like 30 minutes saying like why I like Jaren I was like oh I, I I like you and I was like and then she was like I like you too. I was like, oh, really? I, like, oh. Uh, I don't know what to do. But okay. So I think that was surprising. So yeah, finding someone who loved God, loved people, and someone who liked me. Yeah. I love, <laughs> That's my criteria. I just Very love, simple. I love one of your tips was uh, make sure you marry someone who likes you. <laughs> That's a little important. No, amen. Yes. Alethe, do you have anything to um, add from the other side of the street? Um. <laughs> you married a self-professed loser. <laughs> Which is but not aren't we true. all though? Aren't we all? <laughs> yes. We're falling in our sins. Yes. Um, well, I wasn't very cool at high school either. But, um, I guess for him, um, I think a big thing was, ooh, I like after getting to know him more, I could see that he was somebody who mourned over his sin, like mm. having sorrow over sin. I was like, oh, I feel like that is a mark of a mature Christian, um, and like. I could see that how that could be good in like if we were to get married that when he leads our future family his conscience is sensitive to sin um, mm. and then I think another thing that was important to me was uh, I could see that he was very dedicated to church like even after long days of work and so he would like really make it a priority to go and be involved and like sometimes almost to the point where I was like are you sure you're getting enough rest or whatever? like he was just very dedicated and involved at church mm. um, and then, what was the other one? Um, there's more, but I'm not, like, thinking of it right now. But, I mean, it helped that he was cute. We got along together. He would laugh at my jokes. And I thought he was really funny, too. And we could just talk, like, and never get sick of each other. Um, so that really helped, too. So, yeah. That's awesome. So you can't be a loser. She thought you were cute. Aww. <laughs> it's impossible. Um, One thing I want to add is um, when when someone asked me this question, fundamentally, I realized is that, like, yeah, she can look great, cute, blah, 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 blah. Ultimately, though, I want somebody who's a believer in the sense because I know how sinful, how, how I fall short uh, before God, <laughs> let alone other people, uh, that, man, yeah, if... She, if she knows that she's um, forgiven by God for her sins, she is going to be able to forgive me for my sins against her. And so um, I feel like, like, I mean, sure, everyone has want to be preferences or certain things, but like if she truly is, your spouse is truly a believer, believes that God's like she's a sinner or they are a sinner in need of a savior. Um, like, I can I can work with that, you know. There's yeah, there's a lot of people I can work with, despite your quirks or your tendencies and different things like that. If that's the foundation. 
Yeah, that's really good. Maybe I could, I'll add my two cents and then we'll close, but to onto that same thing. Me and Ashley have talked about, um, even in the last like a couple of months, we've been talking just about our past and figuring out how we changed. And one thing I, I didn't really know until the last like couple of months is uh, how much of a hopeless romantic I was for like my whole life, like going on trips with people. And I'd be like playing my guitar, like on the beach, like watching something like, Hey, do you want to play something? I'm like, not right now. It's <laughs> like thinking of someone that I had, like that I thought I was in love with. That I met like yesterday and then I'd forget about them in like a week. Like I was just such a lot of self-absorption and a lot of that stuff. But one of the, the really good signs with Ashley, like when I first met her, like, um, like obviously everything that I love about her now, um, so much of that stuff was then too, but like she was just sitting by herself in, in and out after a Bible study. And I was like, she's sitting alone. I'll go talk to her. And like, after getting to hear her testimony, I went home, I was like, man, she's so cool. And so like, like it was the first time in my life where like someone just talking about their spiritual life was the thing that made me most attracted. And so I had to just like sit about it for a long time. But that was the second thing for me that that made Ashley just so much more um, like wanting to be around her. Because I would say like I developed feelings for her, but I definitely just wanted to be really good friends with her first. Like that's going to be a really good sign is like if if a lot of my motivation um, towards her is just like like God is doing so much to purify it by his grace, but at the same time, like she's doing a lot to, to keep it pure by just being a good friend. Like Ashley was just so good at respecting my opinion um, without like really um, like hamming me up or flattering me about my opinion, which was so important for me. Um, and so I was kind of trying to both get her to like me, but she was kind of doing things forcefully all the time before she had any idea that I was interested in her. Like you better care about what God thinks first. Um, and just being more gentle than she thinks she was with a lot of that too. But um, she was just such a good friend before she was a girlfriend, um, which is just like so helpful because then I knew what she was like before she had to care about my opinion and might act differently um, to try and earn, earn my opinion. So there's like a million things. Um, I also had three months to kind of figure out if I liked her. And then I just told her and then She's like, I have not had any time to think about this. This is like not fair. So it's, it also takes a lot of patience because it takes a lot of time. Um, but thank you guys so much for, um, for answering all these questions and thinking so hard about them and wanting to answer them in a way that would really benefit our students. I really hope that it was helpful for you guys just to know a little bit more, um, not just about them, but also just insight from them. Um, but I'm just going to uh, pray and then we'll have about 30 minutes. Of yes. You can. I, you have wanted, a mic to say it in, too. I wanted to say this when we were still on the friendship topic, but it, it kind of switched gears really fast. Um, uh, so um, I just wanted to encourage you guys, like, if you want to be a good friend, like, we talked about, like, what to look for in a good friend, but I want to make sure that you're flipping it around and thinking about how you can be a good friend. And, um, I mean, there's so many other people in here that, um, that you can be a good friend to. And I think the first place to start, you know, even if you feel like you're socially awkward, maybe you feel like you have a hard time um, having conversations with other people, maybe you really don't feel comfortable talking to anybody here, which is fine, you know. Um, I dealt with a lot of social anxiety um, in my time, um, especially when I was your age. But the place you can start is praying for one another. Um, 
So think about somebody that God has placed in your life, maybe somebody here at Roots, and just start praying for them. And then start asking them, how can I be praying for you? And um, I can guarantee that as you start praying for that other person, God's going to help you to love them more. He's going to help you to stop thinking about yourself when it comes to your relationship with that person. And you're going to start wanting to serve that other person. And you're going to want to see God move in their life. Um, And as you do that, and as you share with that other person uh, that you're praying for them, that's going to make a huge impression on them. They're going to be like, wow, like this person really cares about me. Um, And that's going to help you guys actually build a relationship that matters. Um, Not a relationship that's just built on having fun together and playing ping pong, um, but a a relationship that actually like you guys are with each other in life, like no matter what, you know, and you can call this person when when you're having a really hard time or you're frustrated um, with your parents about something, you know, and you can just call them up and just talk to them and then they can pray with you. Um, like that is invaluable. And um, that's a relationship that really counts. Um, and so I would encourage all of you guys just start praying for one person in this room um, and start praying, you know, for specific things in their life and follow up with them and ask them if God is answering your prayers. Um, and then, you know, as you guys get more comfortable, you can start praying together, you know, call each other up, um, go out for boba, um, get together and just read a section of the Bible together. Clifton um, did that with me several times, and that really just helped our relationship to grow a lot as we just sat down and were like, okay, we're going to read a chapter of the Bible together and pray. Um, and so f- especially for those of you that that um, really have a hard time talking to other people, um, start making the foundation for your friendships, um, God, and and your friend's relationship with God. And don't make it about um, just, you know, trivial things. Um, So that's my encouragement to you guys. Yeah, that's so good. Thanks for saying that too. Um, So I think with that, we'll, we'll pray. And then we'll have just a little bit of time for small groups. So feel free to use the small group time to either um, just follow up with your leaders and just ask them questions about what they're like. um, If you had kind of follow up questions, but then also just talk a little bit about um, some of your expectations for the new year what you hope to learn, um, how you want to change is really what we're going to be doing a lot of this year. Um, and yeah, use that time, but we'll have more time as the months go on. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, this time. Thank you for these leaders and just the ways that you've brought them to, um, serve in this ministry and to, um, just create so many friendships, um, through them. And, and hopefully that, um, so many of us would be even closer to you, our greatest and most treasured friend, Um, that we have, the one who really teaches us the full pattern of what it means to be a friend. Um, Thank you so much for um, just what you've done in their lives, how you've transformed their hearts, how you understand that life is about you um, and how amazing it is to live a life with you and to know you and to love you and to be able to serve uh, for your glory. Um, Just continue to use them effectively. I pray that all of us would um, just um, be able to take this time and not only grow in a knowledge of Uh, you, but know how we might serve you by loving and enjoying life and living life together. Um, Just bless this time, Lord. I pray that um, through all of the insight and the practicality and going through testimonies, um, that you would just use that information to start us asking um, the most important questions we have, Lord, which is where we're at with you. 
Uh, so please uh, bless the rest of the time that we have. Bless the missions conference tomorrow. I pray that we would have a good time uh, listening to more faithful men preach about missions uh, tomorrow and that we might uh, continue to grow uh, through this weekend, Lord. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.